Hello and welcome to Greedo Shot First. I am Benjamin Light. Marco Sparks. I love how you all kind of sing song that. Mm-hmm. Oh, wait, I don't love it at all. Uh, <laughs> so we're here to talk about Star Wars, obviously. A little bit more news since we last podcast, so we figured we'd do another one. Uh, yes. We got a release date. Yes. December 18th, 2015. Beautiful. Which, and I'm trying to remember, have we talked about this on the podcast or just like offline? Like, we, I, I know we've had conversations about like suspecting that the, the date might get bumped. Uh, well, they've, they've said as much, haven't they? That they wanted to bump the date and that everyone kind of presumed it'd be December, but they just, this is the first time you've had the actual nailed down well, official date. Lucasfilm hadn't said anything, but there are a lot of rumors that the date would be moved. Right, right. I mean, like that's a big deal. I thought with Abrams taking over, is he wanted that extra six months or so? He never officially said he wanted six months more. He just wanted the date to be flexible. I think is what the the articles said about it. But I mean, to me, it it's not that shocking because there's this huge logjam in the summer of 2015, and even though Star Wars would have like triumphed over whatever it was going against, economically, like. It's like, are you more interested in the pissing match or making more money, you know? Yeah. Um, they're already doing the Avengers at the beginning of May. Disney has a couple other movies coming out over the summer as well. You wouldn't want Star Wars to come out in, like, July or something. Yeah. So, I mean, if it's not May, I mean, it should be December. Well, and I think what they've actually seen over the past few years is, you know, so many blockbusters coming out in the summer is that you want to be early. You usually don't do well if you wait. Like those movies yeah. coming out in late June and July aren't doing as well as the movies that come out in early May. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, and and then you just go December instead, and you basically own all of winter vacation and like you know January. Like nothing's going to compete with this movie in in twenty sixteen January or even February probably. Let's talk about that for a moment, real quick. What you just said. Does it seem odd then that uh, Thor came out now in November then? I mean, obviously, Iron Man was coming out earlier in the summer, but what does that mean for like Thor to come out now as opposed to say like December? Well, I, I think uh, the Hobbit's in December, so there's you know it's it's all just kind of like jockeying and like flag planting, where one studio says, "All right, well, we've got this date, you know, for our huge tentpole blockbuster." Then the other studios all have to think like, "Okay, well, I can either go up against that or I can you know move away from it." Hmm. Well, I guess in a certain extent, too, since, since we have talked about the parallels of the Marvel films to Star Wars before, mm-hmm. all of the Marvel films, in a way, are kind of sequels to Iron Man. Yeah. I mean, like they're either like, like loose you know, side sequels to uh, the Avengers, or they're basically sequels to Iron Man. So I guess mm-hmm. you can make the argument, I mean, I don't look at the numbers, but that no one had projected that Thor would ever make anywhere near the money like Iron Man 3 did. Probably not. Iron Man three made one point two billion worldwide. I mean, Thor is already up to almost four hundred million worldwide, so it's not hurting. But um, it's not making. It's probably not going to end up making Iron Man money. Could be wrong. Uh, right. I suspect it's going to make somewhere around like eight hundred million worldwide. Okay, interesting. Did you see Thor, by the way? I did. Okay. I would say, and we'll probably talk about Thor a lot more in this week's time travel murder mystery, but. Um, to a certain extent, I got just a, the nicest little hint, nicest little whiff of like a kind of Star Wars vibe. Yeah, that. yeah, there were definitely some scenes, especially flying around Asgard with like the 
the you know various spaceships and whatnot kind of felt like star wars yeah i don't think that uh like this elevates alan taylor to like some kind of superstar blockbuster director status but i think he's on a road where he could potentially get there i would say he's like like the gore verbinski level and hopefully he does something better than what gore verbinski did with his like his newfound power you know yeah yeah He's one of those guys that can now, with the help of a big studio like Marvel, handle big budget effects extravaganzas. Well, Not all directors can. Yeah, and hopefully he'll look into something other than the Terminator. Well, it's like a reboot too. Yeah. Yeah. Blah. Well, just in general, I don't know what's more uninteresting to me—a Terminator sequel or a Terminator reboot. Well, not to get totally off topic here, and we should talk about this more tomorrow, but. The Terminator is good because Schwarzenegger. Like, yeah. I think we saw in the last Terminator movie we did that the storyline is not nearly as compelling without Arnold around being Arnold, you know? Well, is it solely as good because of Schwarzenegger? I don't know. but it, Not it's solely, but he... Thing. But there's a reason why, to bring it back home, there's a reason why Disney is like adamant, or we assume adamantly trying to get the big three into episode seven. Yeah, because you know, they don't really want to risk doing a non-Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Star Wars movie. Well, you can try to write like your new Han Solo type character, but Han Solo is still Han Solo. Yeah, yeah. He's just like you—you you can't duplicate that sort of natural charisma that Harrison Ford has. Yeah, or just still a general. I mean, Harrison Ford playing Han Solo has a certain kind of uh, prestige cachet that you're just not gonna get from anything else i'll go out on a limb and say he's the coolest character ever whoa like nobody there's no one you would ever rather want to be more than han solo uh i think we can find that in secondary uh backup in the uh, five days of summer yeah that's true there's a reason why han solo winks at him mm-hmm. <laughs> after, after he nails zoe deschanel exactly han solo is pretty much like the coolest uh, fictional character ever invented uh Excellent. All right. So, yeah, December 18th, 2015, they got a little bit of extra time. I mean, they're still probably going to be shooting in, like, February, March anyway, so it's not... It This gives them more time for effects, mostly. Um, yeah. The shooting is still going to be fine. Yeah. And it kind of... You could say, oh, they're, like, retreating, you know, they blinked, they moved or whatever, but to me, it's a smart move, you know? You don't want you don't want Star Wars to get lost in just a summer of insane blockbusters. You know, you want it to be able to breathe and kind of to dominate culture for a while. You yeah, don't want it to be like, oh, Star Wars movie, and then like, oh, the next week it's like Superman movie, or, and then you just forget about Star Wars. You know, right? You want Star Wars to to be the number one for a few weeks in a row. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I think I think even we talked about this on the podcast before because once upon a time, I know I was certainly the mind that like it's Star Wars, it's gotta be coming out in May. That's just mm-hmm. historic. But we've also talked about the fact that you have a little bit of the old, and you really need to set up the future of this franchise, yeah. and you just need savvy placement, savvy like business practice when it comes to that. Well, I read something. I don't know how true this is, but there's a thing saying that Lucas originally wanted Return of the Jedi to come out in uh, like Christmas time, 1982, but just the effects weren't done. So, mm. you know, like tradition's great and all, but there's no reason to like you know spite yourself just to have a May release date. Yeah, exactly. And Christmas time Star Wars. That's that's an interesting vibe. We haven't really had that before. I'm kind it's of ex- excited to see what that feels like. 
I wonder there if there'll be any uh any snow planets or hoth or anything like that. Whoa. Oh, can I just say uh, another Star Wars Christmas special? Life Day, yeah. Yes. Celebrated every three years. The Wookiee <laughs> holiday. <laughs> All right. Well, what else do we have to talk about? Uh, so Abrams has done a little bit of press. Um, and as usual, he'll give like a two sentence quote that then becomes like a major story on every blog on the internet. Yeah. No matter what that blog's like state of purpose is. Um, part of it, like, did you see the thing about how he wants like a, a grittier Star Wars? No. You didn't no, see I that? It's that at all together. Well, like, it, it kind of seems like it's one of those interviews where the interviewer kind of like preloads a question. For him to either agree with or not agree with. And then if he does, then it's like, oh, he wants a greedy Star Wars, you know? Uh, like, there's some fans out there that made this, like, this YouTube video, like, rules for the new Star Wars movie or whatever. Just, uh, have you seen that at all? Or no, that? that sounds terrible. It's like, oh, like, things need to be old and beat up. And, like, all the locations should be far from the center of the galaxy. And, like, no cuteness at all. Like, even though the Ewoks existed in the original trilogy. Um stupid superficial stuff like that and like they asked him about it and he gave like a very political type of answer about how like oh you know it's it's encouraging to you know see people excited and we we definitely want to you know delight the fan like he he gave you know delight the fans he gave one of those type of answers that's just not trying to piss anyone off well and so people are now taking that like oh this is the kind of star wars movie he wants you know J.J. Abrams is getting to work on making a huge movie. I don't think he needs his hands tied or shackled by a bunch of assholes on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And like, secondly, we've talked before about how one of the, the nice things about some of the Star Wars aspects is the old lived-in quality. I'd hardly call that a rule. Yeah. Just something we like. <laughs> well, and it's, I'm not opposed to there being more of it. I, I think it's just like you want, whatever the new Star Wars is, you want, you know, the designed to match the story you know if, if they're supposed to be in the middle of a major galactic city like and they're supposed to be in the nice part of that city then it should probably look clean you know <laughs> like if they're supposed to be in some like shady smugglers bar it should probably look shady yeah i think mostly people just didn't like the a lot of the visual design of the especially the phantom menace just because this was you know a lot of scenes of royalty and like the senate at a time of peace, so it wouldn't really make sense for everything to look all beat up and scruffy. But and yeah, that's what people are used to from that. the original Star Wars. Yeah, I don't think people got that. I mean, even like uh, in Episode Two, the fifties uh, <laughs> diner that Obi Wan goes to, it's still like presumably in the nice part of Coruscant. Yeah, I mean that that's like going to like a Johnny Rockets or something. Basically, yeah. is kind of the vibe I got. Yeah, like or a Mel's or you know, you're not going to like ye old 50s diner on the side of the road you're going to like a a kind of simulacrum of it well and they went to the the seedy nightlife of coruscant you know it doesn't need to look filthy it's still coruscant yeah i don't think, I don't think there's any parts of coruscant that are like just like trashed there, there might like in the deep underworld but they didn't or go there the video yeah. games that got canceled yeah yeah maybe. <laughs> I'm, not, but, I'm not opposed to any sort of visual design out of hand i think it should just match what they're doing you know well, and I think I think that's one of the things you're probably going to get from a J.J. Abrams. I think things are going to match how mm-hmm. they should. I wouldn't be surprised if there were some 
smuggler type locales where things are a little more scuffed up. I mean, you can tell from the set design and super eight that he's into that kind of thing. So, yeah. Um, I don't know. To me, it's one of those things. It's kind of like when people complain about the costumes and superhero movies where it's a minor detail that you're getting hung up on rather than like, did you not like the movie because of costume or did you not like the movie? Cause it wasn't a very good movie. You know, like what they may correlate, but one does not cause the other. Well, and, and okay, so I'll give you a preview. At some point, I think we're probably going to watch Star Trek in the Darkness officially for the podcast. Mm-hmm. And the most hated Star Trek movie ever made. There are a lot of things that I can nitpick about that movie. And there are a lot of things that for me personally, uh, briefly took me out of the movie. That said, the movie is enjoyable. It is a, you know, it's a proper, like, uh, gritty romp. It's funny to me because it's probably like my, second favorite kind of like blockbuster style movie of the year mm. and yet like everyone online hates it like just hates it absolutely despises it seemingly at least like you know if you go to like kind of like nerdy websites but then if you go to like you know an imdb or rotten tomatoes type of page you see it has this really high score but like seemingly everybody liked it except the neckbeards yeah yeah i mean like i said i i had an enjoyable experience watching the movie there are little things here and there that drove me nuts um and and there's there's levels to which something can take you out of the movie altogether yeah i think one of the biggest problems for a movie though is tone no yeah. i'm not i'm not saying there's nothing to do with star trek and darkness i'm just saying like that guy's costume looks bad is not nearly as atrocious too like the movie just has a weird thing of tone here and i you know it's like you mm. don't know yeah well i do think um, sometimes what the nerds are picking up on they're they don't know how to express that they didn't like the tone or didn't feel right, and so they just talk about the costumes, you know, yeah. so that was the reason for it being bad. But whatever the little details of costume design or set design or whatever, those the aesthetic of the new Star Wars movie, it's all got to come from the story anyway. Once mm-hmm. I mean, so the, the longer they've taken perfecting their script, I'm A-OK with. Oh, we should also talk about what J.J. said. He gave like a total non-answer about the script writing change. Let me pull, um, pull that article up here. I actually have the quote in front of me. I have it as well. Go for it. JJ says, It became clear that given the time frame and given the process and the way the thing was going, that working with Larry in this way was going to get us where we needed to be when we needed to be. Working with Larry Kazan, especially on a Star Wars movie, is kind of unbeatable. And then later he says, Working with Michael is a wonderful experience and I couldn't be a bigger fan of him or adore him more. He's a wonderful guy and was incredibly helpful in the process. This doesn't preclude working with Michael again in the future. He's one of the best writers around. This is a complete non-answer. Like he, he vaguely makes some excuses about like a time crunch being the reason. Like really, they probably just want to go in a different creative direction in in some way or other, not necessarily rewriting the scripts like from scratch, but they, you know, JJ and uh, Larry took over and that's that. And, Give a very political, but, you know, nice answer about working with Michael Arndt. And- from a PR standpoint, though, I I say kudos to this non-answer because the last thing you want to say at this point in your production is like we had creative differences. Yeah. Well, because it's funny. To a lot of people, that means trouble. Yeah. Well, it's funny because no matter how vague and and political the answers they give are. They still get interpreted whatever way people want yeah. them to. You exactly. know, you go on the forums and people are going nuts about this sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, 
And then they're they're doing casting calls now. This I'll have to admit, this has me a little I don't want to say baffled, but intrigued, I guess. Like okay. I, I'm kind of wondering did you ever watch Kiss Kiss Bang Bang? No, I haven't. Okay. Well there it's it's a whole bit where Robert Downey Jr. is he's like an actual criminal who like ends up in a, a casting call by mistake. He like stumbles into it and they like his intensity. And so it's this whole thing about how they're going to fly him to L.A. to screen test for some movie. And later on, you know, spoiler, towards the end of the movie, or about two-thirds of the way through the movie, you find out that the whole thing was all just kind of a sham because, like, Colin Farrell was asking too much. And so they, they like, you know, they're basically using him as, like, a a kind of to, a negotiating tactic. You know, like, oh, we don't, we don't need Colin Farrell. We've got this other guy who's, like, this intense method guy, and we're screen testing him right now just to get... Colin Farrell's agent to come down on the price. For example, um, if you go and watch the Octopussy DVD in the extras, because there was some question about whether or not Roger Moore would return to the role of Bond because he wanted more money, um, they went so far as to do extensive screen tests of James Brolin in the role of Bond. Mm-hmm. And you can, they, they included the screen tests on the role. And I get the impression they do this on a lot of Bond movies, but this one, because it was so widely known and out there, almost to the level of Eric Stoltz in Back to the Future for when they did the actual special features for the re-releases of these Bond films a few years ago, they actually included the screen test of mm-hmm. James Brown as Bond. Yeah. Yeah. And so these casting call things, maybe they're real, but it's, I do wonder, like, is this, is this something where like, you can't get the person you want, you know, or they're asking too much or I, I don't know. Wouldn't shock me. Because they're doing like like international casting calls. They're doing them in the UK. They're doing them in the United States. I guess now they're accepting online. Yeah, they're accepting online casting calls. You can go to where is it? OpenCastingCall2013.com. I guess it's it's hard for me to believe that this is actually how they're planning on casting the lead role in a Star Wars movie. Maybe but, they are. Maybe they're like, hey, this will be a good PR thing. It's going to be a little bit longer for Star Wars to come out than people thought. So this will like keep us you know, in the in the blogosphere for a while. The article where I got the link to the open casting call 2013.com mentions, you know, the same thing you're talking about, that Les Miserables went through a big show of holding open auditions for Cosette, and they still ended up casting Amanda Seyfried. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. So I mean, it's, the, it's the not to say they might... Or, among, or whoever else may not be out of the running altogether. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not to say that they might find somebody totally awesome. That's certainly possible. The new Jake um, Lloyd? Yeah, the new Jake Lloyd. No, he was already in something though. I mean, I would suspect that they're like, no matter who they end up casting, I doubt it's going to be somebody who doesn't have a single credit. I'm sure they'll have done something, um, but who knows? I mean, I don't think like Maisie Williams had done anything before Game of Thrones, so maybe they will just find the right person. Could be interesting. And along with that casting call, they had some new character descriptions that people are making a huge fuss over. For Rachel and Thomas. Rachel and Thomas. And it's funny because no matter how many times I see other bloggers or foreign posters cautioning that these are probably fake names and probably fake script sides that they're using. You know, it's they're not using the actual like script in order to do this. But people still just like, I don't know, they don't hear it. They want to believe that this is the real thing. I don't think you're ever going to see a character in a Star Wars movie whose name is Thomas. 
Well, Rachel is described as being an orphan, like a street smart orphan of about, you know, 17. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people are like, oh, if it's an orphan, it can't be like a Skywalker or solo kid. And it's like that this character description could mean nothing. You know, they may just yeah. want that type of vibe, whether or not the character is an orphan. Well, and as we've talked about in our own pitch, Han Solo and Leia could die in like in the first act of the movie. Mm-hmm. Rachel could be a, an orphan. <laughs> yeah, she won't be named Rachel either. I don't think. Yeah. And that's the thing is like everything about the casting call could be fake. It could all, you know, not only like fake in the sense of it's just a negotiating tactic, but even if they are casting, they're working with casting sides and character descriptions and names that may bear only the vaguest of uh, similarities to the actual script and actual characters. Right. Like they're really just looking for good actors at this point. I mean, the, the casting people know what they're really looking for and, you know, they'll they'll use whatever sort of uh you know approach the the actors take to figure out whether or not they'd be right for the real thing mm-hmm. i mean mostly I, I take from this not like conspiracy theories or whatever the hell the rest of the og star wars fan form commentators are looking for but just that i'm glad that there is such tremendous movement on both the script front and the casting front etc well it seems like like there's all this movement now where like they're you know ever since Star Trek ended really haven't heard much seemingly they were all just still like pounding away on the writing at that point yeah and now they're they're kind of ready it almost makes me wonder if they're actually done with the script now or like close enough to done that they they're satisfied with the new direction right i would think that whatever they have in place now would be enough though to start you know character designs and and like just like like laying out the design of the film i would think i mean i imagine you're probably seeing like extensive like previs happening now oh now there's a rumor that shooting isn't starting till august i doubt that that's that's really pushing it oh wait no sorry i'm misreading this this is an older rumor so obviously (laughs) they meant august this year wrong I mean, that would be tricky, I would think, because they wouldn't fi- finish filming at the earliest to probably February. Yeah, I mean, that's absurd. <laughs> oh, there was one other detail I wanted to talk about. I remember it was. Um, oh, yeah, all the uh, all those Star Wars fans that go to that celebration thing, it's like a Star Wars convention. Right. They're all really pissed that the movie's not coming out in May, because, like, their celebration thing was in May. Oh, well. And it's like, on the uh, scale of things I give a shit about in relation to the new Star Wars movie, it not lining up with your stupid convention, it's not very high on the list. Well, here's something that you didn't have at the last, not not this past one, but the, the 2012 Celebration Festival. Mm-hmm. A new Star Wars movie. Yeah. <laughs> that wasn't on the horizon. That wasn't in the future. There was no Episode 7 that you knew about. So... If you have to like wait an extra six months past your fucking like uh, nerd prom to have like a Star Wars movie, it's fucking worth it. I've always been opposed to these conventions. Um, I don't know, maybe that damages my nerd cred, but I I always saw conventions when I was growing up as like the Star Trek thing. It was like this weird nerdy thing that Star Trek fans do, and like Star Wars fans didn't do that. Uh, mostly because like you didn't see a lot of Star Wars fans in the mid nineties. Um, but now they do it oh, too. No, you did see Star Wars fans in the mid nineties and you know who they were? They were fucking everybody. 
Yeah, exactly. It wasn't. It wasn't like a, a a niche the way Star Trek had become. It wasn't like the last. But and they were at the same time they were they were casual fans. They were like, oh yeah, Star Wars. They weren't super obsessive. Right. I mean, in the last ten years or so, you wouldn't you would encounter people, and I encountered quite a few people, unfortunately, through my job, who they're young enough that they haven't seen Star Wars, mm-hmm. and I'm I was just like, I'm like, how do you, how do you function? How do you like, function? Do you yeah. Like, I mean, are you a citizen of the United States? Are you? I mean, like, that's like not having one of your lungs, right? But then again, didn't we know somebody who hadn't seen Back to the Future for a long, long, long time? Did we? Yeah, we did. Okay, I'll take your word for it. I don't know if she ever has. Oh, yeah, that's right. I know what you're talking yeah. about now. Yeah. Married now. We're just saying, it's fucking weird, people. It is indeed. But, yeah, Star Wars, it's happening. It's wonderful. Rachel and Thomas. Shut up and eat your apple. That was like one of the lines in the in the script that got posted. Oh yeah, nice. <laughs> well, it's, it it actually seemed a lot like they took like uh some uh like a page or two for the Hunger Games and changed the names. Oh, it's like one character is kind of like carrying the girl is carrying the guy who's wounded. He's like a uh, Thomas is like you know early early twenties late teens character as well. She's carrying him. He's wounded, and she tells him to like he needs to eat and he doesn't want to and she says shut up and eat your apple and then they like go to a barn where she like tries to take care of him it totally could have been out of like the hunger games with like katniss taking Peta to the, the cave um oh, interesting. I mean, it, it's like two pages you know it's i i don't think it's in any way related to what's actually going to be in the next star wars movie no not, not at all but i mean it's 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 some kind of science, though, to pick out what your sides are going to be, you know, and, and what you as the casting director, the director, etc., are really looking for. Like, what can an actor show you that you believe you can build a whole franchise and a production around them? So, yeah. Well, to me, what excites me most about these rumors is that th- there have been consistent rumors pretty much since the announcement that it was going to have a female lead. And I've been crossing my fingers on that. And all the it, like nothing has really come out to uh to, to kill that rumor yet and see the rachel character is described as the lead as well so well, maybe they are actually going there i'll be really happy if they do and here's a potentially pointless story that i remember reading online a long long time ago uh so the blair witch project you know which mm-hmm. i mean the blair witch project like obviously there was no real uh auditions or sides for that movie because it was like a little indie production what I remember is that the, the two guys who directed that movie, what they did is they would bring in their actors and they'd sit them down. This is kind of dumb, but it's, it's interesting. They'd sit down the actors and the actors would think, okay, like, well, how do I audition? You haven't given me anything to prepare for. And the directors would just ask them point blank, like, you've served so many years of a blah, blah, blah year sentence. Why do you think you should be paroled? <laughs> and just depending on how the actor responded to that on the fly, that's what they thought of them. That's how they would poke and prod them from there. And so the way it started with the actress who got the role, which I believe his name was Heather Donahue, um, is that with, within an instant, with no hesitation at all, she starts screaming at them, you shouldn't let me out on parole. I haven't learned my lesson. I'm worse than I was before. You should lock me up forever and throw away the key. You know? And then they mm-hmm. thought, okay, maybe we have something here with this actress. We can work with her. So, yeah, I mean, don't you want to go like audition for a Star Wars movie, though? I don't know because I'm not an actor, you know, like I, I do feel bad because like all the riffraff are showing up for these casting calls. 
And you know that there's like 10% of those people are actually serious. And they've act, they're actually like trying to prepare and, and do a good job. And they're stuck waiting in line behind 10 assholes in like Jedi outfits, waving yeah. lightsaber toys around. Comic book guy. So, I mean, I, thing Paul ever. I would certainly love to have a cameo in a Star Wars movie, but oh, I, I know that I am not an actor, you know, and I, I can accept that. God, that'd be cool. They could CGI you in right next to like Rick McCallum. Who would you want to be if you could cameo just any sort of background character? Who would you want to be? Whoa, man. Um, I'd want to either be just like a nameless Jedi, like 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 a Jedi like in the uh, the arena, like huge arena ending of Episode Two would be really cool, or just like. As like your main character is like walking through some seedy thing to go meet with somebody, I'm the guy who like one little alien bumps me, so like I I throw him against the wall and then step on him or something, <laughs> something ridiculous. It's something like a little visual like Easter egg treat in the corner of a shot. That'd be cool. I'd want to be some sort of a shady type of smuggler character, maybe somebody who like brushes past Han Solo and like shoulder checks him or something. Yeah, um, something like that where like you can something where you can point and say, hey, that's me. You know, and it's not like they're like, are you sure you're way in the background? And you're tiny and pixelated. I think what you want is you want to be a cameo that's not necessarily like, look at me, look at me. Mm-hmm. But whenever someone does point you out, you're doing something very interesting that, that you'll never forget from that moment on. Yeah. Like, uh, Either that or like a remember, guy who dies in like a really gruesome way. That'd be a cool cameo. Like a Rancor YouTube? Yeah. Yeah. Like, <clears throat> or sits on you or something. <laughs> but I seem to remember like Baron whatever his name is, whatever the George oh, Lucas cameo. Yeah. Like, it just wasn't very interesting. You know, it's like, you're the director. Do something interesting. I don't I think mean, he wanted to. Like a Hitchcock but, level cameo, but come on. I think the thing with that is that Lucas didn't even want to. And like, everyone was like, you have to like, I've always gotten that impression with Lucas that he wasn't actually into that sort of thing, but people are like, Oh, you have to, you know, not a flattering outfit too. Yeah, I know. <laughs> just that. I do wonder, like, did he come up with that himself? Or is he just like, all right, fine, I'll do this, you know, like whatever the art people had. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because you would you would think if you cared, that wouldn't be the cameo that you picked. Right, right. You'd want to be the guy who's like sitting behind the uh Palpatine in that opera, mm-hmm. you know, who has to then get up and leave, or something like that. Like you'd want it to be like clever somehow, like especially if you're the director. I mean and, and ego takes all forms. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's people out there who think that George Lucas is the most egotistical motherfucker that ever was. But, like, at the same time, I think, when I think of director, like, cameos, I still think of, well, first of all, fucking Tarantino. Oh, that son of a bitch. But, uh, like, Hitchcock had a perverse sense of delight in finding twisted little ways to include himself in the film. Has, has J.J. ever done any cameos? I can't recall reading about that at all. I can think of. Yeah. I know, like, uh, I want to say, like, his, his producer buddies who always show up, like, do the occasional, like, voice cameo or something like that. That reminds me, are we going to get Grunberg in this movie? Probably. You know you're going to get Grunberg in this movie. Yeah. Grunberg is a cancer that falls he can get all the productions behind. He can get sat on by a, a rancor. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really hoping that we get some casting news before the end of the year. We may not, though. It might be, like, February. More likely. Rachel and Thomas. Should be interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Anything else we want to talk about here? 
No, just looking forward to finding out more about Rachel and Thomas. I do want to point out, it is funny. Like, if you go to a Star Wars forum, you see mostly pretty excited, enthusiastic people, and then the usual, like, sky is falling dipshits. Right. If you go to, say, like, an Ain't It Cool News forum, or, like, one of, uh, kind of, like, general nerd forums, they're all, like, the most pessimistic motherfuckers you've ever read in your life. Like, it's interesting the the difference. You would the... you would think these people were married to Star Wars and Star Wars cheated on them with their best friend mm-hmm. several times. Yeah, and then like put the tape online. Yeah, it's it's outrageous. Like it's like 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 not only did Star Wars cheat on them, but it also went back in time and raped their childhood, which was also somehow Star Wars. Yeah, it, it's, it's you read the comments they make, and it's like this is why you can't have nice things. You know, you hate everything. Well, it's like their their comments escalate quickly it's like they mm-hmm. get out of hand like very quickly it's not like you're talking about like your choice or president or something yeah. like that it's at the end of the day it is a movie yeah yeah i mean at some point things on the internet you think to yourself hey, look at that there's a power button on this computer i can turn this off well it's always amazing way. how much like especially comments online there's people have no filter you know, it's like they're totally impolite and rude. They just immediately start attacking each other. It's wonderful. Or they, they attack abstract things, like things in a movie, that somebody else somehow makes a part of their own identity. And it might as well be a personal attack. Alright, well, um, we'll be back when there's something to talk about. Might be next week again. Might be a couple months, who knows. We are coming up on the holiday season, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was kind of like a lull in news yeah. until the, the new year. Because they don't want to get their buried, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, until then, may the force be with you. Always. Always.